From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. So first things first, we began a series last week called First Things First. And the idea is that there are things that you do first before other things, right? There are things in life that are more important and those are the things that you, you put first before other things. And our, our theme verse comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus said this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you also. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. So when God is first in our hearts... When God is first in our hearts, the rest of life has a way of coming together. Maybe it doesn't come together how we expect or how we hope or how we want, but if we put God first in our hearts, that's not necessarily a time thing where the first thing when we open our eyes in the morning, we have to thank God, which is actually probably a good thing, but it just means that he's first in our hearts, the rest of life kind of just comes together. And so what we're doing in this series is we're just combing through the Bible and finding some big firsts where the scripture talk about first things. And we're talking about them, and this is actually just really a a cool way to learn Scripture, a really cool way to learn Scripture. Last week, we talked about what Jesus said about worry and seeking him first, coming from Matthew chapter 6. And today, we're going to hang out in 1 John chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 4. And if you're a note taker, and I encourage you to take some sort of notes because likely you will be someone that forgets what I'm going to say either later today or later this week, hopefully not. But notes don't forget. Notes have a way of remembering things. So if you're taking notes, you can, you can write this title down. He went first. He went first. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful that you're here today. I'm thankful, Lord, that your presence uh, was manifest, God, that we felt and we sensed and we were moved, God, in worship, Lord. And we just pray that you would continue to reveal yourself. God, you speak to our hearts. You speak to our minds. Holy Spirit, you would penetrate us as only you can in a way that changes us. Lord, as I speak, God, give, give me clarity of words and give us open ears to hear from you ultimately above all else, Lord. And let us walk out these doors being people who seek first your kingdom, Lord, who, who recognize our role, God, in, in our relationship with you, Father God, and just seek to put each and every single day, God, with you at the center. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Look at somebody and say, are you ready for this? Good. You're awake. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 7. We're going to read to 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who does love, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Come on. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone 
acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment, but the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Verse 19, this one's key. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Man, that is such a sobering passage of scripture and it can preach better than I can preach. But I want to take you back. I want to take you back to when some of you likely first started dating. Way back for some of you. Some of you are like, man, I don't remember what that even means anymore. Some of you are like, I'm, I'm there. That's my life. Maybe you'll pick up a tip from this story. You probably won't. Or some of you are like, I, I'm almost there, and I know you're not, and you shouldn't be. Like, there's all different spectrums, okay? But let me take you back to when you were uh, first started dating. Dating, you know, in, in a dating kind of whatever you want to call that, there's a pursuit that happens. One party pursues the other, or, or both parties to some degree pursue one another. And before I met uh, Jody, uh, my wife, th- there was no mutual pursuit. We did, we did not want to pursue. Pursue was not an option for us. We had a friend that wanted to set us up. We had one of those things. And neither one of us wanted to be set up at all. And my friend would talk to me about Jody, and she'd talk to Jody about me, and, and we, would just, we were just not interested. We, hadn't, we haven't even been in the same room before. We hadn't seen each other before. We didn't even Facebook creep one another. Facebook, I think, was just kind of coming on the scene, like taking off, and so I don't even know if Facebook creeping was a thing yet, but we had not done that, at least I, if I can remember. And so my friend brings Jody to, to church one day. She was visiting from another church, and, and I see... I see her, and, and some chemicals fire. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> and you know it was a God thing because it was during worship. That's not true. <laughs> it was during worship, but I don't know. We're here today, and, and God's blessed us, and so I'm thankful for that. But I, but I see her, and I, and I said to my friend, I'm like, who's, who's that that's with you? She's like, that's the girl I've been talking about. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm okay with this setup thing. <laughs> Maybe I'm okay with it. And, and so it was, either that, it was either that night or the week after, my friend brought Jody to the, the young adult meeting, the young adult group. And I sat down, and my friend sat next to me, and Jody sat next to her, and there was just this awkwardness in the air. Because my friend did nothing but sit down. She didn't introduce us. She didn't say, hey, this is so-and-so that I've been telling you about, or this is so-and-so I've been telling you about. And so there was just this awkwardness tension in the air. And so I did what, what any real man would do is I took, I took a step, right? I was bold. I took initiative. I stepped up and I said, I said, hey, baby. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, I said, hey, I'm, I'm call. And to this day, she still makes fun of me for that moment. But I'm like, we would not be married if it was not for that moment. So you can thank me for that. But I, but I said, hey, I said, hey, I'm call. And, and we, and we got introduced to one another. 
And so began this, this, this pursuit. But like any, any old school, old fashioned lady, she played hard to get really, really well. She will tell you that she wasn't interested, but I'll say that she was interested, but she just was playing hard to get. Actually, I think she wasn't interested at all. And so there was, a, there was an occasion, I don't know how many weeks it was after that, somehow I got her number, so you know it was doing well. And I got her number, and I, I texted her, I said, hey, what's going on? And she says, nothing, just about to go play soccer. And she didn't invite me to come watch. I, didn't, I, had, to take, I had to step up. I had to take a step. And so I said, oh, cool, I love soccer. I'll come watch you. Where are you playing? And, and somehow she told me where she was playing, and so I show up at her soccer game. Little did I know there was a couple other lions on the prowl. And, and her parents were there. And so I didn't even get to like push out the other lions because somehow I got stuck talking to her mom the entire time. I didn't get to watch the soccer game because I'm talking with her mom, which probably worked in my favor now to think back. But I got talking to her mom the whole time and I must have had, I must have had a really good pasta dinner because apparently I had spaghetti sauce on my face. Which just means that she didn't fall for my cleanliness. <laughs> but but we, get, we began this pursuit. And, and my role, as just how it worked out, my role was to pursue her, was to take the steps to initiate some sort of engagement, some sort of relationship, some sort of connection so we could get to know one another. And her role was to respond. And somewhere along the way, as we encountered one another and we, we had these, these gatherings, we got to know one another and eventually our love began. We began to, to fall for one another. We began to, to be connected to one another. And, and I'll say this, our love is established upon those encounters. Our love is established upon those encounters. It doesn't stay that like that, but it was established on those con- encounters as I pursued her and wooed her and she responded in kind. In a similar way, we love because God first loved us. God is the initiator. He takes the first step. He he takes the first step. He steps up to the plate. He's the one who who gives the action, who risks for love's sake, and you are the responder. And you are the responder. God is the initiator, and you are the responder. And many of us know this as we've, if we've grown up in church, we know this in theory. But we don't practice this in reality. We don't practice this in reality. See, everything we do is in response to God's love. Everything that we do is in response to God's love. It says we love because we sang today not to get God's attention, right? We didn't somehow, we weren't say, hey, let's get together and let's sing to somehow perk his ear and have him go, something's going on down there, I better show up and act. We don't sing to get God's attention. We sing out of response to what God's done for us. We sing out of response for what he's done. We give through finances. We give through tithes and offerings out of what God has done for us. Our faith is a response to his grace. Our, our discipline, our dedication, our service is a response to his love. Our love and our ability to love is a response. It's reactionary to the gift of God's Love, you are a responder, church. And everything you do is in response. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, without me, you can do nothing. In John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus said this. He said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Responding is what we do. It's how we're designed. That's what worship is. It's a response. 
Now, it's important to know this because I heard someone say this once. If you don't know your role, you won't have peace in your soul. Because there's a lot of pressure on you as a person. There's a lot of pressure on you in the, in the, in the life and relationship of, of God when you feel like you're the one that has to initiate a response from God. When you feel like you have to do something in order to get his attention. When you feel like you have to earn, earn his love. And then things, when, we, when that's the case, things are done begrudgingly. We give begrudgingly or, or we worship out of effort or we serve and it's draining and it, it's exhausting. And the problem with that is, is when we do that, when there's that pressure and that's how we give and that's how we serve is eventually we fizzle out. We fizzle out. But you don't need to initiate because you're not earning God's love. You respond to his love. We're receiving God's love. We love because he first loved us. So the level to which you love is a response. Jesus told this story in Luke chapter 7. This wasn't even part of my notes until I was just reading this this morning. I just felt like I had to put it in. Jesus shared this story. He said, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? The man he was talking to, Simon, replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. You are a responder, church. The one who recognizes the degree to which Jesus has saved them responds in an outflow of love. Everything we do is in response to God's love. The level to which you serve is a response to God's love. Listen, you don't serve to get, although I would argue that you do get. You are blessed and you are fulfilled as you serve, but you don't, you don't serve to earn something from God. And if that's what you're doing, then you don't understand your role. We, people tithe here. They give, they give 10% off the top of all their earnings, which sounds crazy to anybody who hasn't received or heard or known God's love. You give how much? Why would you do that? You give more than, than ta taxes actually allow you to give. You're not going to get anything in return. Why would you do that? Well, if you've, if you've received the love of God, you do it willingly out of response. It's out of a flow of what's, what's happening in your heart. We don't give to get, although we are blessed in return. But we don't give, and so God's like, oh, I'm going to give you 100 million blessings tonight before 10 o'clock. No, I give because I've been given one great blessing, and his name is Jesus. I give. We are obedient to the commands of Scripture, not out of obligation or duty, but out of response to his love. The Scripture says this in 1 John 5. It says, for this is love of God, that we keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. We are responders. Everything we do is in response to God's love, which, which means this. God's love isn't responsive. 
God is the initiator. His love wasn't reactionary but primary. He, we love because he first loved us. He went first. There's your title. He went first. Now, this is difficult for us to grasp because human love, even in its purest forms, is usually reactionary. We, we love because of what we've seen in someone. We love because of, of what they've shown us or the nature of our relationship. We, we love. So when Jody and I first started our relationship, it was, it was something we didn't want, right? Our friend was talking to us about each other, and we're like, we're not interested. But then as we got to know each other and we had encounters, all of a sudden things changed and something started awakening inside of our, our hearts. And I remember the initial stages of, of this. I, I took her out to, I took her out. I took her out to, to bubble tea. Anybody ever had bubble tea before? It's a weird thing. It's not really tea. It's more like slushies with gummies for adults. But So we were, we were having some bubble tea. And, and again, we, we, didn't, we didn't want to be set up. We knew nothing about each other. And so we sat down and I said, hey, tell me, so tell me your story. What's your story? And she thought it was even funny that I was even asking that question. Like, that's a, that's a different question to ask. But, and she still makes fun of it to this day. She always makes fun of me. Always. <laughs> But, but I did ask it, and she, she answered it, and as she shared, we began to learn that we had a lot in common. And over time, again, we began to fall for one another. Our love is predicated on our encounters. It is established and founded upon those encounters as we got to know one another. It's conditional. Now, it doesn't remain conditional. Now, it's, it's, it's based off of a covenant agreement to, to love regardless of circumstance, but that's how it began. When, 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 she, when we were first, when she was first pregnant, I was not pregnant. That's physically impossible. But when she was first pregnant, her, her body starts to change, right? And she's developing this life form in her, and her organs are shifting. And so she feels things that I will never feel, right? She's like, as things are starting to shift, and she's nauseous and, and whatnot, and her, and her belly's growing because this life is forming in her. And I remember watching her bond with this life. And the love, as she physically felt movement, right? As she physically felt change happening. Now, I was excited, and I cared. But there wasn't the same connection. There wasn't, like, feelings and emotion for me. It was just the knowledge of, I'm about to have a child, right? Her, I was watching her. It was, it was built upon this change that was occurring in her. Now, for me, once I started to see the, the little leg pop up once in a while, or the hand, and I get, began to feel the kicks, all of a sudden something's happening, right? I'm encountering this life. And then when, when he comes out, now I think God made babies, even the ugly ones, cute for a reason, because you're drawn to them. And I fell in love. Like, I know it's silly to say that, but, but I, had a, I have a love for him. And it's not based on his behavior or anything. But it's based on this, this encounter that, that I had. Even the, purest, even the purest forms of love that we have as humans is reactionary. We are reacting to encounters. There's one of mine right there. This is the difference between God's love and our love. God's love is not a response to an encounter. It's not a response to an encounter. He doesn't love you because you serve. Oh, that person serves really well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love them a little harder. He doesn't, she thinks it's funny. <laughs> yes, daddy's funny sometimes. He doesn't love you because you worship. He doesn't love you more because you worship harder than the person next to you. He doesn't love you because you give. He doesn't love you because you give more. He doesn't love you because you serve. He doesn't love you because you're good. He doesn't love you because you opened the door for somebody today. He doesn't love you because you woke up with a smile on your face and you started your car and you said, thank you, Jesus. 
He doesn't love you for that. His love for you is not based upon your behavior. It didn't begin when you were born. He's like, man, that child is really cute. I'm going to love that one. His love flows out of his being. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, God is love. I've shared this before. God is love. If love were a river, God would be the source. As a sun radiates light, God radiates love. It is who he is. He didn't create it. He doesn't express it. He's not responding because of what he sees or what he hears. He is love. He is love. I love what he said recorded in Jeremiah 31 verse 3. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And what that means, church, is his love for you began before time even began. He loved you before he even created you. It's everlasting, before time and after time. It's beginning and the end. He is, God is love. And this, this makes God's love, God's love secure because it's not based on who you are and what you do and how you act and how you live and whether your behavior is good or whether your behavior is bad, but God's love is based on who he is, which means even when you mess up, his love doesn't stop. Even when you give more, his love doesn't flow more. It's not a tap you get to turn on, right? Oh, I'm going to serve a little bit harder and give a little more, and then love's, God's love's going to flow harder. That's not how it just flows hard all the time, constantly. And then you receive that love, and you respond based on how you've received it. I'm going to, it's like a waterfall. I'm just going to let it flow, and whether you choose or not to be engulfed in it and to be moved by it is on you. It's not on God's love. God is an initiator. We are responders. God's love isn't responsive. God loved you even before you were capable of loving in return. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dead in our sin, he made us alive together with Christ. I love you even regardless. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not like, man, this person really did well in getting their life together. I'm going to flow some love their way. That's not what he does. That's not who he is. God is the initiator. We are the responders. So here's what this means. God's love enables us to love. Everything we do is in response to God's love. God's love isn't responsive. God's love enables us to love. God's unconditioned, non-reactionary love for us enables us to be capable of love. We love because he first loved us. All true love is a response to his initiative. The only reason you can love God and love anybody is because God first loved you. So first things first, let's just talk about this word love. Love in our language is a very sloppy word. We throw it around like it's, like it's a commodity that everybody has. We say, I, I love my mom, I love pizza. And it means the same thing. Because love in our vocabulary is a feeling. Even when we try not to attach it to a feeling, it's a feeling. It's something that you feel that you're moved by. I love my mom, I love pizza. I love life I love that show. I love this church because it makes me feel good. I love that hairdo. It looks really nice. I love, and it's sloppy. It's a reactionary feeling. This is not what John is talking about in this, in this passage. 
He's not talking about the feelings you get based on a person or a thing. He's talking about a love that God shows, uh, and the word that he uses is agape. You've probably heard this before if you've been in church long enough. Agape is a Greek word. And if you haven't heard, if you haven't heard it, hear this. If you've, heard, if you've heard it, then hear it again. Agape is a Greek word that defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It's an, an ongoing, an outgoing, a self-sacrificing, giving without condition kind of love. It's unreservedly given to those who are undeserving, unworthy, and inferior. Agape love is an unconditional love. Agape love is an action love. It demonstrates through actions. This is the God-like love that is shown unconditionally when God first loved you. There's zero strings attached. Zero strings attached. God demonstrates agape love, his nature, right, because God is love, through creating you, through faithfulness to you, even in rebellion and rejection, and ultimately in and through Jesus. And we are capable of agape love because we were loved with agape love. We are capable of showing unconditional love because we were shown unconditional love. 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. I read it before. I'll read it again. Here's what it says. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And because of that, because he went first, we are enabled to love as he loved. Now here's, here's my musings, right? And I, I feel like somebody's brain's going to go there because I know my brain goes there. What about, what about the non-Christian person? What about the person that doesn't know God? What about the person who's, who hasn't experienced and encountered the love of God? What about the person who's not saved? Don't they show love unconditionally? Like sometimes. Like do, people can show unconditional love, right? Or so it seems. Now, I'll, I'll say a couple things. No, number one, first thing that comes to my head is that every single person is created in the image of God. Every single one of us is created in the image of God, so there is a measure to which we can love unconditionally just because we are created in God's image, right? It's, there's, a, there's a part of it. So you will see unconditional love in some forms by a non-Christian, non-believer, someone who hasn't encountered the love of God. But let me say this. It will not remain unconditional without the love of God. It will become conditional. And think about that. Think about the relationships you have. Think about the people you know who show unconditional love, how that love changes based on your behavior or your relationship or what happens. It shifts because our love, even when it appears to be unconditional, is reactionary. But we are enabled to love unconditionally with the love of God. You, you tracking with me? So because we are created in the image of God, we can show a measure of unconditional love, but only so much and eventually becomes conditioned unless we have the love of God in us, unless we have the love of God in us. We love because he first loved God, because he first loved us. It is the love of God that enables us to love in the truest and highest forms. Now, what this all leads to and what John is getting at is a call and a command to love, love others this way. That's what this whole passage is about. Everything that John is pointing to is expressing this kind of love that God has shown us to others. To show others 
unconditional, unreserved, ongoing, outgoing, self-sacrificing action love. Not just a friendly, won't you be my neighbor kind of love. Not just a wave hello and a nice smile on your face kind of love. Like the kind of love that's hard for you to love. The kind of love that takes sacrifices. The kind of love that, that stings a little bit because it hurts your bank account. The kind of love that, that hurts a little bit because you've got to give up time that, on things that are important to you. That's self-sacrificing love. You are sacrificing yourself for the sake of someone else. That is unconditional. Without expecting anything in return. I'm just doing this because God has loved on me and so I'm going to love on you. That's what John is getting at. He's getting at the idea that we need to love other people with the God-like love. And listen, we can nod our heads at this stuff, but it's really hard. It's really difficult because think of that person that's really hard to love. We all got somebody, right? Think about someone that you do not like. Think about somebody that grinds your gears. Think about someone that even their name, when it's mentioned, just you're like, hmm, it just, you know, something goes down your spine. That's the person that God is calling you to love like this. The kind of person that you're like, oh, do you know what? If they just weren't on the planet, things would be a little bit nicer. God's like, no, oh, that's the kind of person I want you to show because do you know what? You are that kind of person. You're the kind of person that if you weren't on this planet, things would be a little bit nicer. But Jesus said, no, I love you enough. I'm going to die on the cross for you. And so go die on the cross for somebody else. Go self-sacrifice for somebody else. Go give yourself up for somebody else. And even when it hurts, and even when it's hard, and even when you're drained, you're like, God, I can't do this anymore. He's like, absolutely. That's why I'm doing it through you. That's why we need God. Because if we don't have the love of God moving in through us, then our love becomes conditional. Church, it becomes conditional. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.